Welcome to Your Life and Money, where we believe that financial planning is not just about numbers, it's about your life. I'm Brad Smith, joined always by Tim Barodi, and each episode we'll be sharing stories from real people who have used life-centered planning to achieve their goals and dreams. At Advice First, we believe that the key to financial success is aligning your money with your values and your priorities. And we're here to help you do just that. So sit back, relax, and let's get started on the journey to a life-centered plan. Well, welcome back. And uh, yeah, nice to be here and continue our series on the wealth transfer decisions that we've been talking about for, I guess, the last couple of episodes now. It's amazing how quickly time flies. That's right. uh, More to share. Yeah. And so the last, uh, in our last episode, we talked about the transfer and treatment decisions as we're starting again going through this wealth transfer process so today we're going to look at the next two decisions that you need to make or conversations that you need to have however you kind of look at it right and that is the timing and the title um, decision so uh, take us through yeah what is this i know we've kind of alluded to it a little bit and even in the last episode because everything's kind of interrelated, I would say, in in different capacities. But um, what is the timing decision and and what are some of the principles behind that and and the questions that we need to be asking or that we ask clients as we take clients through this? Yeah, we, um, a lot of people, Canadians specifically, I don't know about the U.S. stats and I don't have anything specifically in front of me right now, but what we've seen and probably what a lot of our listeners have maybe even experienced over the last few years especially is is trying to maybe help out the next generation. Again, I don't have the stats in front of me, but billions of dollars have been transferred from one generation to the next in the last number of years as mm-hmm. as uh, costs increase and harder for people to get into home ownership. And so we get a lot of these conversations of, hey, how can I help my adult children, you know, while I'm alive? And that's really talking about that principle of timing. And that is, or the the decision of timing is when is it appropriate to um, transfer uh, wealth from one generation to the next? If we go back a couple of generations, everything was kind of transferred at at death, right. right? You waited for the will. You waited for the old man to, you know, kick it, and and then you could find out what you get. What am I getting? What am I getting? <laughs> right. right. So, uh, but today it's very different because people are like, well, I have baby boomers, especially. They, have, you know, they've amassed wealth that they didn't actually imagine they possibly would have had either, mm-hmm. and so they're dipping into some of that wealth and helping the next generation. So, so when we start to unpack this idea of the timing decision, we want to make sure that we. Um, consider some of the the principles around there because one of the things that people do actually fear is well what if I need it later so I, w- I want to help my the next generation now or or even grandchildren or whatever and it goes beyond that it could even be a charity mm-hmm. they want to transfer assets to a charity um, but I might need them later so I, once I've given it away I can't pull it back so yeah. how do we, you know, how do we kind of work out that timing decision so so the principle here that we take a look at is really you know you want to transfer the the assets or the wealth um, in such a way that it maximizes the use by you first um, and then your heirs and then to charities. Right. Um, and that may seem simple, but it's that, that kind of that term around maximizing the use. Where do you get the biggest impact right. in transferring that wealth to, well, I'll, I need it for myself. 
uh, I'm still young and healthy enough to enjoy it or whatever it might be um, uh, to the next generation because they need it or even to a third generation, grandchildren as, as it might be, um, or even the opportunity to um, give it to a charity. So one of the principles that we try to take a look at is this idea of um, um, do your giving while you're living so you knowing where it's going, mm-hmm. okay? And it's kind of a bit of a rhyme and it's a bit <laughs> fun, but you start to unpack that, um, that principle and it's the idea of um, it's back to that maximizing its use, but also seeing the real benefit of that as mm-hmm. well. Okay, so yes, I could benefit from my wealth and hang on to it until I die, and then just in case, just right. in case, and I, you know, then they can use it at that time. But I don't really get to use, like, really see the benefit of that, and so I want to consider the idea of giving that away while I'm alive. So do your giving while you're living, so you're knowing where it's going, and and beyond that, you can. Um, uh, enjoy its fruits and its blessing as well. Um, on top of that, you have you can consider charities, right? Mm-hmm. So think about okay, I want to give some money away while I'm alive, um, or I can wait till I pass away and I'll do a charitable bequeath in my um, in my will for a charity. Um, well, what about giving that while you're still alive? Because you'll get to see the benefit of its use within the charity while you're alive. You don't get to see that right. if you're not here, right. right? So kind of that principle of doing your giving uh, while you're living. So there's this whole idea around considering giving monies away now while you're alive, whether it's to the next generation, to a charity, uh, and those types of things is the, the principle we really, really want to hone in on is what is the, the best use of that money that wealth, uh, and the timing of when we give it. And I think that's where the importance of the financial plan comes back, right? Because for somebody to be comfortable making that decision of, hey, I'm going to give this away, you have to be pretty confident that you're not going to need it, or you at least you don't feel like you're going to need it at some point in the future for your own basic living, right? And so that comes back to to why we're employed really is is doing that that financial planning to have a really good understanding of hey what am I going to need going forward um, so that I can make these types of decisions um, and and again get the most benefit or the most value out of the out of my my assets or my resources yeah exactly and 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 the benefit of that to right. see that to see that use into the next generation or or whatever it might be the other thing about um giving even from a charitable perspective that some people need to kind of consider and and, and think through is if you do put a charity in your estate plan so in your will you you establish a particular charity that you want to give money to um you might want to give that to them while you're alive as opposed to through the charity. And the reason is, is the charity could change. Right. And it may not be what you, it may not be in the future what you think it is today. And so you want to give some consideration, well, maybe I should give it to them today because uh, A, the charity might change or my, the charities I want to uh, give to might change in the future as well. And if you're, I don't know, old and decrepit and can't make those decisions very well, then nobody's going to make the change on the will at that time. Right. 
Or the charity may not exist at some charity point in the future. Exist. I mean, we've, I know we've seen that with clients. That's that exactly right. We've done a review of beneficiaries and, oh, yeah, this they, they don't exist anymore. Yeah. They don't really do, like you alluded to, they don't do what they used to do. And so yeah. I don't maybe want to support that in the same capacity or the same manner. Yeah. Um, it also opens up like when charities are doing like maybe a building project or, again, a new some some type of expansion you can it, it, you don't get to help them if that's 10 years 15 years from now right for something that maybe you're really interested in or really passionate about in the moment or in in the like in the current time period yeah a local hospital might be raising money for equipment that they need mm-hmm. you know need now like it's imminent they need that now they don't want to be waiting 10 years 15 years 20 years to receive that money they'll re they'll receive the money both times by the way right yeah but sooner than later and then you get to see the blessing of it as well perfect so what else on the timing decision do we need to consider or think about as we're again going through this process yeah i want to share some warning signs is what i'd like to share with people um and this isn't specifically in regards to uh giving to your, let's say, adult children while you're still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had a number of conversations with clients over the years, but even recently I had some clients that uh, came in and expressed a desire to help the next generation. But they had said to me, well, we're happy to help them, but we don't want to become the water trough that they keep coming back to and back to. And so we had to kind of unpack that and and talk about it. They didn't want to be you know, the bank of mom and dad all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do we be generous and give money to them after we've done the financial planning to determine they can afford it easily um, and uh, get to see the benefit of it? But what are some of the warning signs around that? So that is kind of one of them. You want to make sure that you don't become the bank of mom and dad. You don't want them dependent on <laughs> continued gifts. Right, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, so there is a few warning signs that uh, that I've experienced over the years with different clients. Um, that I that I'll share with you. The first one is um, you don't you're we want to encourage giving because it's a great blessing, um, and we've seen that many times with with clients over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want to do it in such a way that manipulates the behavior. Right. So when you're giving money, you're releasing that money to that person, and they are now the steward of it, and they can do as they believe it too. That's not to say that you can, hey, I'm giving you this to help you pay down your mortgage or your line of credit or whatever it might be, um, or just to help with free cash flow and take some pressure off. There's nothing wrong with that, but we don't want to try to manipulate behavior. So many, many years ago, it's probably uh, 15 years ago or so, a client of mine came to me and she said, oh, I want to give my son $10,000. I said, oh, tell me a bit more about that. She goes, well, we made a deal that if he quit smoking, I would give him $10,000. And, uh, and I said, well, that's not going to work. This principle of manipulating behavior, you know, I'll give you this money if you do that, right. never works. Okay. And uh, I said, I, I, said I'll, I guarantee you he will start smoking again. And so he, the deal was he had to quit smoking for six months. Um, and, then, uh, and then she would give him the $10,000. So fast forward, I asked her one time, how's that going with her son? After she had given him the money, and turns out, yeah, he was right back smoking again, On of which she couldn't stop. Eighty-three, like <laughs> yeah. right. So she has no control over that. But the point was, she wanted to bless him in such a way, but also, 
you know, I get, we'll call it manipulate, but she wanted to get right. this she additional benefit out of it as well. Yeah. And money never drives that. Okay. It seems obvious. And a lot of these will seem obvious, right? right? That it, you, you, you can't get money to manipulate, but people do it all the time. So that's why we need to kind of talk about it as well. Um, the second one is um, don't give money or be careful. I shouldn't say don't. I should say be careful giving money in such a way that it could change somebody's lifestyle. Mm. So again, another quick story is that a client of mine, she raised her son by herself. She was very prudent, um, saved money, raised everything up, raised him up well. She paid for his education, post-secondary education, got him a good start in life. Like I said, she did everything right. Um, she still had savings for him after he had graduated from uh, university and wanted to bless him in helping him buy his first house. Mm-hmm. The mistake that was made was that he went to get to qualify for a mortgage at the bank. They qualified him for a mortgage. And then he said, well, I have this other money that I'm going to use for the down payment. So then the bank turned around and said to him, well, well then you can go shop this size right. of a house yeah. as opposed to one that you can actually afford. And so that's what they ended up doing. He got way more house than he probably should have or could really afford yeah. when yeah. you think about it. And uh, it turned out it put a lot more pressure on them, cash flow, property taxes, maintenance, repairs, all those things put more pressure on them. Plus, uh, he didn't get the dream job he was hoping for coming right out of university um, and the promotions that would go with it that would allow him to grow into that lifestyle. Right, right. And so, you know, it's, it's obvious now, but, you know, looking back, we, what we should have really done was... Um, said you qualify for this amount of mortgage but we'll knock that amount of mortgage off right so you only owe this and and it would have been a lot better for him they ended up having to sell the house because he couldn't afford it anymore yeah. so yeah. you want to be careful that you don't change the lifestyle of the person um that you're giving the money to right. again seems obvious but people do it all the time um another one is um uh destroying the need to provide so mm. this might be a, feel a little bit old school um, and I'm going to pick on men a little bit here, but I, am, I think we're wired in a way that we want to be kind of the providers of the home. I know there's a lot of equalness between spouses and stuff, and, and, I'm, and that's totally fine. But sometimes there's one spouse that really enjoys providing. And if parents are kind of giving money to that husband and wife or into that family, and it kind of destroys or kind of, I won't say destroy, but steps on the toes of the one who's actually trying to provide for the family, it can actually backfire and work against you. So mm-hmm. you think you're actually doing a good thing by helping them, but by kind of stepping on toes on who's the provider of the family or who's the, use the old term, breadwinner of the family, uh, it can actually rub people the wrong way and create friction in the home. Yeah, um, I, I can totally understand we've that. We've seen that before, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, Again, and it could be either spouse, like, and that's absolutely what we've seen more and more of as well, right? Yeah. Is, um, yeah, depending on, I mean, most families, I would argue, these days are dual income families, yeah. um, but it can, even if it's not one spouse specifically, it can kind of reduce the motivation to even do that, or again, just, oh, okay, I can, it almost goes back to that dependency kind of conversation we were just having a minute ago of you get used to that and you you don't have that same motivation to provide for your family anymore regardless right Right. yeah the next one is um coming between husband and wife so um think about parents want to 
bless their daughter. I'm going to pick, I don't know, I'm just picking at random, but they can't stand, stand their son-in-law, right? <laughs> like they just, they don't like him at all. In fact, they've even that approached, never happens, they've even, it. right. They've approached their daughter-in-law and they, or their daughter and they say, look, we want to give you this money, but not that rotten husband of yourself, you know, that you've got there. And we want to protect it in such a way that, you know, if you guys split up, he can't get his dirty, rotten hands right, on it, right? right? Yeah. We've heard this many, many times mm-hmm. because we know that there can be a lot of um, challenges in some families. But what you're doing there is you're actually creating a wedge between that husband and wife, your, your very own daughter in this case, and her husband. You're actually making the situation worse. So we're not saying you shouldn't give them money in that situation. You just want to make sure you unpack it talk it through, figure it out, communicate, uh, and, and do it in such a way that you're not driving a wedge between them. Cause you're not there to destroy your daughter's marriage. That's the I last, hope not, yeah, anyway. that's the last thing you want to do. Uh, so you want to be careful on that. And again, as I said, and I'm going to repeat myself, we see these sorts of things all the mm-hmm. time. So, um, and then another one that's actually related to that is actually some parents will say, Oh, uh, my kids are rotten. So I'm skipping that generation. I'm going to go to to my grandchildren. To my perfect grandchildren. Yeah, they're perfect angels. I'm just going to skip that next generation because they're terrible. They're ungrateful. Blah blah blah, and and go right to the next generation. And so again, you're you're building a wedge between generations. Uh, again, you want to uh, unpack that, talk about it, communicate, and make sure that you're not uh, creating havoc in the family. <laughs> Or um, unnecessary stressors, right? Right, for sure. Um, and then the last one actually is my favorite, which is um, when giving money to the next generation, um, don't get in the way of life dealing with them, right? So as parents, you know, as we've raised our kids, we want to put a Band-Aid situation and fix everything mm-hmm. for them. And as we go into adulthood and marriage and raising our own kids or seeing kids being raised, sometimes we want to rush in too quick and band-aid the situation. And, and so we're stepping on the toes of life, trying to teach people to live within their means or work things through together. Meanwhile, mom and dad are coming in and saying, no, no, we'll fix it. We'll just throw some money at it. Uh, and that doesn't fix really anything. Uh, it actually is probably more about the parents giving than it is the right. kids receiving. It can it can reinforce bad behavior in some situations. Very much right? true. It does, and that's what we want to do. We want to move towards uh, living more properly financially, uh, and working these things through. So those are some of our warnings of of kind of the giving money while you're still alive. Okay. And it's on that kind of final topic. I I just had that conversation this week with a client. And uh, her and her husband went through some financial hardships early in life. And they were put their heads down. They worked through it. They got themselves out of it. They got themselves back on track. And she was saying uh, she's so glad that neither of their parents stepped in at the time. They nice. could have, yeah. but they didn't because they let them figure it out, right? They let them go through some difficult times and a bankruptcy in their case. Uh-huh. And, yeah. um, but they, they cleared everything. They got discharged. They bought a house. They had it paid off in seven years. Wow. Um, and again, then they, they learned their lesson right. and corrected their, I don't want to say corrected, but they changed their behavior. Yeah. Uh, they changed their attitude yeah. and they, they really valued those lessons that they learn. And, and it's funny that you say that because 
she literally was just, I'm so glad they didn't step in and bail us out. Yeah, right? and going through that bankruptcy, is as bad as that sounds, it taught them a lot about money management. Oh, for sure. At, to a point where they, they paid their house off in seven years. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's ridiculously, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a huge celebration right there, yeah, right? We should so. be, you know, popping champagne corks and, and celebrating that because they may, they would, I don't know, I don't want to speculate, but they probably wouldn't have learned that if mom oh, and dad no. came in and band-aided she the situation. That, right? right? So it's, uh, yeah, it was, it's one of those stories where you hear and you're like, yeah, that makes sense, but it goes back to, yeah. you've got to make sure you're not just trying to, yeah. parachute in and be the hero yeah, exactly. all the time, right? And we see that a lot in, in families and stuff. So so that's the timing decisions and some of the uh, issues of giving while you're still alive. But then there's some of those issues around uh, giving through your estate and or in other areas such as like transferring of title, right? Mm-hmm. So some people might have a cottage and they think, oh, I should transfer title to my kids to avoid tax or I got a business or a farm I need to, um, to, uh, to deal with. So... Yeah, take us through some of those bigger concepts uh, here and, and as we kind of work through kind of that title decision, whether while alive or even through our state. Yeah, and and again, the, the title one can vary a lot by person to person because as you mentioned, if, it, if you've got a cottage or you've got family rental properties, whatever, that's one conversation. If you've got a family business or a family farm, that's a very, very different conversation. Um, specifically when it comes to the, that transfer of title. And, and what it all really comes back to is, again, the, the principle we've talked about before is that stewardship principle, right? It's not really ours. We're just stewards of what we have built or what we've been given. Yeah. And, and that's really the first attitude you've got to remember when you're thinking about these decisions is, I'm just a steward of it. And when I transfer, when I transfer title, when I go through this title, I am giving up stewardship, <laughs> like control. Yeah, it is. So you've really got to be prepared. As the very first step, you've got to really understand that as you once you actually transfer that title um, for something like again a substantial asset, instead of just again. Gifting money is one thing, right? But if you are transferring title of a cottage, as you just said, you are giving up control, ownership, and you've got to be prepared for that because you don't want to be in a situation where you're still trying to control. (laughs) And people will use that as a way they try to keep control or keep control of something um, so that, again, the next generation or whatever it be doesn't have the or can't make the decisions maybe they want to, or, or again, use something as they maybe they thought was, hey, I'm inheriting this cottage, but oh, mom and dad are still making all the decisions around it, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it, you really, that's really the most important thing, I would argue, or one of the most important things is, is remembering that we're just stewards of, of whatever it is that we have. And when you are transferring that title, you are transferring control and you've got to be prepared to give up that control. Yeah. And and one of the other things we've talked about is this is kind of, again, while you're alive, if we're talking about transferring assets while we're alive, but there's the other of once you're gone, you you can't control things from the grave. Right. As much as people think they can or try to. And that's what they're trying to, to do. Right. 
Uh, you you can't control anything from beyond the grave, and in all honesty, at that point, you do not care. <laughs> Whatever your beliefs are, right. you do not. Once you are gone, you do not care what is actually happening yeah. um, to your assets and whatnot at that point. So, it's really important to unpack the what is like when we're looking at the timing of, of transferring a title for something like, again, I'm going to use the family cottage, mm-hmm. what is the intent, right? And why are we transferring it now? And it goes back to those other three decisions and conversations that we've had to understand what makes the most sense and, and what, what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. The other big one is then family businesses. And this one probably could be a whole episode, but it's a little bit more specified. So I'm, I'll go through it quickly, but there's, there's a couple different conversations that you need to have if, when you've got a family business and the things that you're trying to consider. And, and one that we've come across and had conversations with clients in the past is there is a very big difference between being a business owner and a business manager or an employee. Yeah. And so when, when we're having these conversations with business owners and, oh, my daughter's going to take over, the first question we normally ask is, does she want to take over? <laughs> does she want to own this business, right? Um, she might be really good at what she does, but she may have no interest in actual ownership and the, the whole other realm of responsibilities right. that opens up. And she might be doing it just because she feels obligated to do it. Right, right. And so, hey, if dad's not around, I don't want to be in this business. Like this is, I've seen it of, hey, I just do this because it gives me a chance to hang out with my dad and learn from him. Mm -hmm. But if he's not here, I don't want to be part of this (laughs) necessarily, right? It's true. um, So it's, it's kind of shifting that mindset of between distinguishing business owners and business managers or employees to understand hey, do we even want to consider this succession plan and what does that look like? Because it's much easier to transfer cash (laughs) through an estate, sell a business and transfer cash than a business and and deal with all of that, especially if there's other beneficiaries that aren't involved in the business. Um, And so now you're, you're opening up a whole other can of worms almost to say, hey, if sibling A is getting is the business is being passed down to sibling A. And we see this a lot with farms, especially. Um, What are siblings B and C and D (laughs) getting? Or how do we equalize that? Or how do we make this fair? Um, And and again, it can be a very difficult strategy even to implement and to build out and and conversations to have. um, and again, it all comes back to that. When is this happening? Because usually with business succession or farms or whatnot, that needs to happen while you're alive. Like if it's happen, if that event is happening at death, it's probably not ideal. Way, right? way too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the ti- the transfer of title or the timing of title decision is is again, it's it's a little bit more specialized, mm-hmm. but again, it can have some pretty huge ramifications depending on. Uh, your situation and what it is, what it, what title it is that you're looking to transfer, as far as again the when, the to who, and um, and again that relinquishing of control that you're you're giving up when you when you finally go through with that. Yeah. And 
I know we're we're right running up to the end of our episode here, but I've seen it happen where in a family business, control was not really wanted to be given up. Right. <laughs> so even though it was on paper, the reality was it was not relinquished. And so that caused quite a bit of, of animosity and cr- quite a bit of unneeded tension in a relationship between um, in this case, it was a father and son-in-law, which mm-hmm. probably complicated things to begin with, um, that the son-in-law, okay, I'm running this business now, I'm going to take over and I'm going to make these changes because this is now my business. And dad was like, no, no, that's not what I did. That's not how I built this business. I don't want you doing that. And again, caused a lot of tension, a lot of heated arguments, caused stress in the marriage. Like, again, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Um, that was unneeded, and really, the that transfer title probably just happened too early, mm. right? The it pro- probably wasn't the right time, but they were told, "Hey, no, do you want to do this now by the lawyer um, and get this done?" And you want to step away, so get this all taken care of. But really, they never went through this process, so it really, again, just made things a little a lot more difficult in their scenario than it really had to be right. at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah, so a couple of principles there, um, and that is uh, owners or managers don't always make great owners. Uh, when it comes to um, equalization, fair is not equal always is not equal. always fair, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the timing may actually be wrong, and you need to really seriously consider those as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for tuning in to Your Life and Money. We hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at advice-first.ca. Remember, financial planning is about more than just money. It's about living the life you want. So take some time to reflect on your goals and priorities and let us help you create a plan that aligns with your vision for the future. We'll be back with more stories, insights, and strategies to help you get the most out of your money and your life. Until then, take care and keep planning for the life you deserve. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.